Welcome to Sweet Valley Diaries, the podcast where, when your brother's girlfriend dies, your primary concern is how harshly the community will judge your family for allowing her functionally orphaned sister to sleep in your den for a week or two. Book number 15, Promises. Somehow, Jessica will get rid of Betsy. I wish you could hear how good it sounds, because the audience is going to be like, oh my god, who is Marissa's guest? Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to Sweet Valley Diaries. I'm your host, Marissa Flaxbart. And sitting across from me is my friend from film school in the directing program when I was in the screenwriting program, and his name is Callie Baker Johnson. Hello. Hello, Callie. Welcome. Uh, thank you. I'm doing pretty well. You didn't ask me how I was doing, but that's fine. I wanted to know, though, and it was like <laughs> you read my mind that I really wanted to know. Cool. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I'm doing so happy good. to hear it. <laughs> you, me too. This is already weird. I've never, this is my first podcast. You're going to be a champ. Yes, I will. I will. So uh, one question that I ask every guest that I feel like I should ask you as well is, was this year's first Sweet Valley High novel? Uh, I'm pretty confident it was. I remember Sweet Valley High when I was growing up. I remember the, uh, yeah, I remember the TV show being on in like the middle of the day on Saturdays or something like that, like after I watched cartoons. And I remember girls that I went to school with reading them, but I'm pretty confident I never read one. I think I like may have looked through one or two at some point. Sure, there are so many them, of them. Yeah, and I get them confused with the Babysitters Club. Yeah, that was another serial of the time. Yeah, a little bit skewed a little bit later in terms of start date and end date. Oh, okay, but also between this series and Sweet Valley Twins and Sweet Valley Kids, Sweet Valley University, there oh. were more spinoff series than there ever were of Babysitters Club. So I didn't know about any. There's else, any number of books that you could have come across. Yeah, oh, okay. no. Why would you have known about that? It's a, it's a very niche thing uh, for myself and probably many of the people listening to this podcast. It was a big deal, but you know, I have learned that a great many people, kind of the reaction to like me talking about Sweet Valley High or mentioning no. it, it's like, huh, it sounds familiar. No, I, d- I definitely remember it. I For whatever reason, the the theme song of the TV show was kind of an earworm. And I remember the. That's the thing I really remember is the theme song of the TV show. Oh I'm a gosh. lot of too many like mid '90s cartoon and TV shows. Like I have vivid memories of the, of the theme songs before. How did it go? It, I'm not listening. I, don't, <laughs> okay. I, I know you said. I, I thought maybe sing. I could trick you. But into no, singing. but it's, I mean, it's just something. It's just like it's just like Sweet Valley, Sweet Valley. Then it's like hi or something like that. I don't yeah. know, but it's yeah. Mm, I could I could probably do more than that, but I refuse. I don't even try. It was beautiful, but that was uh, very clever of the songwriter to have the word "high" be on the high note. <laughs> well, yeah. let's let's talk about this book, Sweet Valley High, number fifteen, promises. Let's let's get in and like walk the listeners in by talking about the cover of the book. Yes, it's a pretty interesting cover. It's two girls. Uh, one has a short haircut, so you know that she's the one who's troubled. Also brunette. So. And brunette, yes. And she's looking uh, askance at something riveting. She just has like a kind of a blank, sad, airing to the side of blank expression. Yeah. And, the, and the blonde girl is looking at the other one's short haircut going, I knew this meant trouble. Yeah. I think that's what's going on. <laughs> yeah, the blonde girl wearing a, like a pretty modest tank top, but we yeah. know it's Jessica because 
of the subtitle, I think. Yes. If all things being equal, I think it would be very difficult to tell whether this other girl is Jessica or Elizabeth, but it is Jessica. To me, the weirdest thing about this cover has always been the ugly-ass shirt that Betsy Martin is wearing. Betsy Martin's the brunette. The more that I look at it, that's a really weird cover and a really weird... Like, little subtitle thing. So, it's very important to know, for the plot of this book to make any sense, that Betsy Martin is, like, an infamous whore. I don't really know another way to say it. No, yeah, she's a, she's a, she's, she's a town slut. I don't yeah, know if yeah, it's come up in the podcast before drunk because... Slut. Drunk slut. Drunk, yeah. druggy slut. Like, just, like, any mm-hmm. possible bad news that any person could be up to, Betsy Martin is accused of, and probably is, like, engaging in some yeah. of it. She's a walking cautionary. T- it seemed like she was just the person that was in it, at first, at least. Yeah. That is just there for everyone reading to be like, don't be that girl. Yeah, and we we have come into the topic of Betsy before in this podcast, and it's always like walking on eggshells because it feels so uncomfortable to talk about someone, oh, that like, oh that slut. But like reading the books, it's uncomfortable yeah. to hear the way that Jessica, throughout the series up until this point, talks about Betsy up until this, throughout, but she doesn't get better at the end of this book. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's very true. So, okay. But, but hold on, wait, wait, but, but, but while you're saying that, I'm, I'm really like, I'm stuff. really looking at the cover now, but it's like, it's not slutty. Like, you'd think on the cover, if Betsy is this, is like, you know, the whore of Sweet Valley, she'd be wearing something low cut. It's like a bowling shirt. To me, the shirt reads a little bit lo- like, and I have a newer copy. Uh-huh. Um, you can see it says now a hit TV uh, series. See, yeah, I told you that's what I knew. And it's like a closer up that this is how they did the newer copies. Uh, uh-huh. Listeners, I'll put this on Instagram uh, at Sweet Valley Diaries on Instagram to, so you can like do a comparison of the covers. But uh, it almost looks like a nurse's uniform or something. Yes. Like that's the level of matronly we're talking. Yeah. So, it's very odd. Another one of these weird covers uh, I mean, they're beautiful, but this one is strange. Um, and are the other ones weird too? I don't really like the other. They're, ones. I mean, they're really special. They always have <laughs> nothing in the background. They're okay. always like a portrait that you might hang above a fireplace in like a rich person's <laughs> home. Got you. <laughs> Except the facial expressions are weird. Yeah. So I really feel for you. Don't I was sometimes when I'm reading these books, I I think about the guest that's going to ha- be on the show uh-huh. and what it must be like for them to be reading <laughs> this book. And the beginning of this book is a real, um, yeah. Like, kind of gut punch. Yeah, I did not know what I was getting into. I, You told me... I was aware there was a show. The girls I went to middle school read these books. I thought I was going to be walking into, like, a... I don't know. Just it was going to be like, you know, ooh, uh, Charlotte heard Becky talking about uh, uh, Jennifer's pants. And now... We don't know if Genesis is going to go to prom with Tom. Like, yeah. that was, and that was the height of drama. The last book was a little bit like that, honestly. Yeah, that's what I thought I was getting. Like, I just figured it was going to be like, it's like complete fluff that, like, you know, like middle school girls, it's like the worst thing in the world. But the fucking first, the opening, this girl dies from leukemia. Yeah. Immediately. And it's, there's not a, I also didn't realize it was so serialized. I guess. Yeah. Because there's no build up. There's no like it's you she you're just in the hospital and she's dying. The very first sentence of this book is Trisha, you can't leave us. Um I was like, what the fuck? Elizabeth is like crying at Trisha's bedside. <laughs> and so Trisha Martin, we learned at the end of the last book that Trisha yeah. Martin had taken a turn for the worse. Well, 
that's that was no joke because Trisha Martin is in her hospital bed and she is dead within like moments of yeah, this book like starting. Yeah, like fifteen pages in. And the Wakefield family is around her bedside, and I was reading about this. And no matter how much we want to joke about it being like a crazy way to start a book and being like really heavy and like how like ham fisted they handle it. It's sad to read a book about yeah. a, a teenage girl dying of cancer. And, then, and also, oh, go ahead, go ahead, no, go ahead. Her family is not even there. Okay, exact. So. Not yet. Not only is she dying, and of, of course, also she's a saint. Like yeah. there's not. She is all Beautiful, she was, sweet Trisha. All she cares about is helping out her little sister, who she's worried about, and she's just she's just so loving to her boyfriend and everything. She's could not possibly. There's not a selfish inch of her right in anything right, and the family. Everything about it is so she does not deserve it. There's no. There's no yeah. ambiguity about her or anything. She's this angel. She's this earth angel. And she's telling everybody how these these last few months have been the happiest of her life. Yeah. And don't cry for me. No no tears. No tears. It's all very dramatic. Yeah. But we learn just kind of like in the, the sentences here and there that she sees the Wakefields as her family now, which Jessica is like, ugh, ugh, yeah. I don't know. Jessica is Je- horrible. Yeah, we'll get to it. Okay. <laughs> um, but even Jessica has to be a little bit like, and really admire Trisha in this moment. Yeah. In fact, um, an early candidate for forced, forced metaphor, metaphor <laughs> a sometimes segment that I do, but I kind of liked it, uh, is on page four. Jessica, this is from Jessica's POV, and she says, but Trisha kept right on smiling in the face of death and showed the courage of a female Luke Skywalker. I was going to bring this line up to you if you didn't bring it up. I'm glad you did, better. A female Luke Skywalker. I mean, that's courage. There's another really dated reference. In, well, I mean, out of these books are old, but not yeah, I can't remember the other Later ones. on in the book, uh, Caroline Pierce, it's said that this gossip uh, makes everything seem racier than a Bo Derek movie. Yes, that was yeah. the one. Yeah. Uh, but And I was I like, what? 12-year-old girl reading this would have seen 10. Like, I don't even know... And also, are there other Bo Derek movies it's that were really racy? It's really just the one. That's what I thought when I yeah. read it. It was like, that seems like we're creating a category that doesn't exist. Yeah. Anyway, the point is that Trisha's dying, she's beautiful, and she's so noble in death and so strong. And even Jessica, the most uh, cynical and cold-hearted of the Wakefields, yeah. uh, cannot believe just how beautiful and strong Trisha is. And we find out that, like, nobody from her family is there. Her dad can't be bothered. Her dad's an alcoholic. Her sister's not there. Borderline abusive, maybe, well, sounds like. Well, I don't know. Like, neglectful, for at, sure. At the least. And so the Wakefield family just kind of exits the room. It's like she closes her eyes to go to sleep, and it's like she closes her eyes for the last time. Like, they all know that she's dying, basically. Yeah. That was a little weird, too. It was like they all made it to her bedside with the like this, like, surety that, like, she was going to be dying in the next, like, eh, like five minutes, yeah. five to ten. It was weird. You know? And but honestly, I was so blindsided by all of the teen death this early, I was like, that's fine. I don't need to, I don't need to recap. <laughs> like, let's get past this. Yeah. Let's get past this. Get get to the funeral yeah. in chapter three. I was like eating a brownie. I was like, this is too much. But oh my God, the, as soon as Trisha dies and the Wakefields are out in the lobby, like dealing with it, in runs Betsy Martin, her younger sister. She's like, Trisha, Trisha, I'm coming to you. And they're like, young lady, you need to quiet down. And she's like, but my sister, she's dying in there. And, and her like, breath reeks of alcohol. Yeah. And they've already been talking shit about how she's basically a drunk whore already yeah. before she comes in. Yeah. And the, and the father. And it's like. And 
she, yeah, so she, her breath reeks of alcohol, and she's crying, but it's like, uh, who, so, so what? Like, the gravity <laughs> of the fact that this poor woman has just missed her sister's death yeah. by minutes yeah. is like, so... It's heart-wrenching. Heart-wrenching. I was reading this earlier today. I was eating lunch at a uh. Mendocino farm, <laughs> and damned if I wasn't, like, crying a little bit, like, reading this book. And I was no, like, I get it. everybody could see the cover. Like, anybody that was looking at me must have been, like, weird. Can I say that was a very big obstacle to me finishing this book? Because I made a point to read it a lot on, uh, I take the train to work a lot of times, and I had to, <laughs> I found myself hiding the cover of it when I was reading it. Oh, Because I was like, God. I don't really know if I want to get in a conversation about, oh, but think about the big, how many the big black dude reading 1980s Sweet Valley Light. Think about how many people's gaze you would have brightened with that. They would have been telling be the story of what they saw, especially this book, which which has these two like <laughs> very sorry. pale, like lame-looking <laughs> girls on the, your copy of it is even more more... Uh, pale and gaunt than mine. Yeah. Um, so. But I think for me it was like it wasn't because for me it was I was blindsided by the fact that this girl was dying of leukemia. But then also I didn't expect to be hearing about alcoholism and 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 girls kind of whoring around and shit like that, like in the series at all. Yeah. And then to hit all of those things in the first fifteen pages, like substance abuse. Yeah promiscuity and leukemia that early i was like what yeah listeners we haven't gotten really much past chapter one at this point yeah the way that betsy is described and her activity is described i will say is actually more explicit and racy than i would say the other books have been to this point um for example there's the super weird line of early on where jessica is talking about betsy's bad reputation and talks about um i'll read it actually they're talking about Miller's Point. Yes. Um, and Jessica says, Speaking of Miller's Point, yeah. did you hear who was there with Betsy Martin last week? Just give her a break, won't you? Elizabeth's light mood vanished instantly. Charlie Cashman and Jim Sturbridge. That's who. Both of them. At the same time. What do you think of that? Yeah. And I was I read that part and I'm like, damn. The, like that's like the whole crux of chasing Amy. Like they yeah. did a whole movie about that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Finger traps and shit. Well, yeah. Then, um, I don't know. Can we? Is it okay to skip ahead? I guess so. Because then at the end, she we what we yeah. she makes out with two dudes in a bar. She's sitting publicly. there in the bar. I mean, she's here. She, I don't know how old Betsy is. Did you? Could, I I got the impression she was out of high school. I guess so. So I thought maybe like nineteen, twenty. She oh, keeps going to bars. I didn't think she was twenty one, but evidently she keeps being able to go. Oh no! It, in Sweet Valley, uh, young people can go to Kelly's and other bars because oh. the bars are so. Uh, shitty and like low rent that they just let people in and don't check IDs. Oh, oh so teen okay. it's it's basically a plot device to allow the teenagers to go to the bars. But oh, okay, gotcha. really, really shady people go to these bars. Oh, okay. So but she's out of high school though. That was the impression I got. She's definitely not going to high school. Yeah. But I don't know if she's older or younger than Trisha. I always thought she was younger than Trisha, but Stephen's only nineteen. Right. Uh I I could have gone back and read the books and tried to uncover this, but I didn't. Uh-huh. So listeners write in if you yeah. know how old Betsy Martin is supposed to be and if she's like a high school dropout or what. Right after Trisha dies, mm-hmm. Betsy is at the hospital and nobody knows where their dad, Jim, is. Like nobody's seen him. And um there's a really important moment actually that's a very critical to the story that we as the audience are privy to, but the only other people that know about it are Stephen Wakefield, 
the twins' older brother and Trisha, his girlfriend, mm. who's dying. Trisha makes Stephen promise to look after Betsy. Yes. And that's really, like, the crux of the story, is that yeah. Stephen makes that promise. The inciting incident. Yeah. And, and Trisha says, when my mom died, that was another another uh, gut punch she's for you. She's fucking, she's, man. Yeah. When my mom died, also of leukemia, uh, my dad went on a bender, and he was gone for a week, and I'm afraid he's going to do that again. Spoiler alert, he does do that again. So the Wakefields take Betsy home. They take Betsy to their own home. And when they tell Betsy that they're going to do that, she has this freak out where she says, no, I don't deserve it. Like, I'm so terrible. Like, she's she's really drunk in the hospital. And she cries, no, I don't deserve to do it. And you know what? I missed her death. And this is the most terrible thing I've ever done. And I'm going to go clean. You know, I'm never going to drink and smoke drugs or whatever she says. You know, I'm never going to do it again. And Jessica's like, we'll see about that. You know, it's like a side. She like yeah. pokes Liz in the ribs, basically, and is like, Psh, you believe this? And of course, Liz is like, Jess, you're a horrible human being. Um, so. But see, that's funny because I think in, you know, chapter one, when that <laughs> happens, all this has happened in chapter one, and me having not read any of the books, I was on Jessica's side. I was like, she's a realist. This girl is not going to. You know, this tragedy is not going to turn her around at 19, which is going to give up all these things that that have been probably keeping her afloat for so long. Yeah. Yeah. Something terrible happens in your life. And so you quit all of the things that have been. That would uh, help you get through the terrible things. Right. 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 Yeah. That's true. The book almost operates under the assumption that people do like drink and do drugs. Like a teenager would only do that just for the thrill of it and not right. to sort of like self-medicate. Right, right. Like is it, there's much larger issues and all all you had to do if you have all these other things going on is have a worse thing happen and then you're good. Yeah. Like yeah. somehow that's the way people... Yeah. Are. They're saying it's like a wake-up call, I guess. But yeah. And I, I do believe in like rock bottoms, but it did not seem to me that this was... I not to say that losing your sister is not a horrible thing to happen, but it did not seem like I was with Jessica. I was like, this is not going to be the change of behavior. Well, and Betsy's not presented as someone who's particularly stable emotionally. It's right. uh, would be pretty impressive for her to hold up. And Jessica sees that too. Jessica's like, no way is right. that trash Betsy Martin going to be able to stay on even keel. Right, right. From here, you know, they go to the funeral. Like, there's no Martin family at Trisha's funeral at all. That was weird. Yeah, was fucking. I if I was Betsy, I'd be drinking too, man. Like it's just fucking. Their family sucks. Yeah, and uh, Jessica is sure that she's gonna find out that Betsy has some drugs. Like she's complaining to her friends Lila and Kara. Yeah. Uh, over lunch, she's like really sad, and Kara says something like, "Jessica, what's wrong with you? I know you're not just upset about Trisha. You didn't really care that much about her." <laughs> And Jessica's, you know, finally says, you know, that she just has to get rid of this Betsy Martin because being associated with her is going to make the family look bad. Like, what was your interpretation of Jessica's problem with Betsy? Uh, Very much the same thing, which was weird because, like I was saying, when she first was like, this girl's going to be a problem, I was like, there was a part of me that thought it was a little bit altruistic. There was part of me that thought... She's looking out for her family and doesn't want this them trying to do this good for this girl to ruin everything else that's 
because her brother just lost his girlfriend. Yeah. He's going through his own stuff. The whole family's going through the whole thing. And I almost felt like Jessica Luna didn't want the whole family dragged down with her. And I thought that could have been a interesting interplay between the two sisters where one is like, well, it's better for us to sacrifice to help this one person. And she's like, we're going through enough now. We need to make sure that we're, we're okay. And maybe that's not necessarily the nicest thing to do, but I think it's a legitimate point of view. Well, I'm actually glad you said that. I definitely err on the side of having a really difficult time seeing things from Jessica's perspective. But Jessica, I think, would have said the same thing at the outset that this, or throughout the book, like that's right. her concern is like the success of the family and this person's going to ruin it. Of course, that concern is a lot uh, easier to swallow if the character is actually doing bad things. Well, yes, absolutely. But I think the larger thing is that I didn't know that Jessica was horrible. Like, I feel like pretty pretty early on in the book, you realize that Jessica... Honestly, Jessica is so terrible, I, I can't understand how there are so many books about her. Like, it seems <laughs> like Elizabeth is the good one. Because Jessica doesn't get better or change or really even be held accountable for her horribleness. I think that that is the biggest problem with this book is that Jessica, aside from that moment early on that we described where Jessica sees Trisha suffering and she is really like, oh man, I was so hard on her, but she really is a good person. That happens in chapter one. And that's the last redeeming thing that Jessica does in the whole book. And she, she never comes around to a place where she's like, she gets her comeuppance. It never happens. Um, But before we get to that, I guess we need to talk about what the problem is. The problem is that Stephen is spending a lot of time with Betsy. That's yes. basically the crux of this book. Yes. And Jessica, where Jessica comes into this, is that she doesn't want Betsy around the family, like, like spoiling the family's good name. Right. That's the first first point. Yeah. Um, and then that escalates when uh, she is told by Lila, hey... I know a perfect idea of how your parents will, like, be convinced to kick Betsy out or you can, like, blackmail her. You're sure she's still using drugs and and drinking, right? And Jessica's like, oh, yeah, totally, of course. Uh, And Jessica comes home and searches through Betsy's stuff. Betsy's, like, staying in the den. And she doesn't find anything. But Betsy, it turns out is a very talented artist. In fact, earlier, there's an earlier scene where Elizabeth is trying to get to know Betsy. Betsy's very standoffish, but they bond a little bit over their interest in the arts. Yeah. And Elizabeth sees that Betsy is an amazing artist. Yeah. She's, like, draws sketches. Portraits, yeah. And they're really beautiful. She has a beautiful one of Trisha, and um, she has one of her mom. And so a few... Chapters later, when Jessica goes into the room, Jessica hasn't seen these portraits. She's heard Elizabeth brag about what a good art- artist Betsy is, but Betsy's very private about her art. Right. So Jessica, like, snoops through Betsy's private art and finds a picture of Stephen. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Now, that might not sound like a smoking gun. It's treated like one in the book. It's it a whole is. cliffhanger because it's yeah, and the end so- of the chapter. This is my this is my candidate number two. I only had these two weak candidates for force, force metaphor. metaphor, but this is number two. 
which is Jessica comes in and she's like, Elizabeth, I have some news for you. And she has to like reveal that she was snooping around in Betsy's room. And she's, she's having this really roundabout way of telling Elizabeth what's up. And Elizabeth says, Jess, I don't get what you're driving at. A note of annoyance crept into Elizabeth's voice. Honestly, I don't know why you get such a kick out of these verbal cat and mouse games, <laughs> which was just such an awkward thing to say. But anyway, she's like, if you have something so urgent to say, why don't you just say it? And she's like, the picture was of our brother. Like, she gets Elizabeth to agree that Betsy only draws pictures of things she really loves. Right. So, she, if, Betsy, she drew, if she drew him, she must love him with yeah. an undying passion. And these are, like, lovingly rendered. Yeah. Now, that probably wouldn't be enough, but, like, in the next scene, Jessica overhears Betsy on the phone with a guy named Crunch McAllister. Mm-hmm. Crunch McAllister, careful listeners may remember, is the character responsible for putting Elizabeth into a coma. The motorcycle accident. Mm-hmm. Right? He was drunk driving his van. Uh, and But Betsy is telling Crunch, never call here again. Like, I'm done with all that stuff. So Jessica here is Betsy double down on her promise, like, I'm cleaning up my act. And she hasn't found any drugs in her room. Nothing. Right. But she doesn't give a shit about that anymore. Now all she cares about is that Stephen is spending a lot of time with Betsy. And it doesn't matter that much that Stephen hasn't professed any real interest from in Betsy. I think if Jessica thought about it, she probably wouldn't think that Stephen was into Betsy. Right. But she knows that other people are seeing them together. And rumors are starting. Yeah. She has... Like I said, I was, I was Team Jessica for uh, a chapter and a half. And she ruins... <laughs> Any goodwill that she built up with me so quickly, I think that there was a selfless way for her to have that perspective. And it's, there's, she couldn't be clear that it's completely selfish. Yeah. The whole, her whole concern is actually about the image of the family. Which then to me was like, at that point, I was like reading it. So it's just like, how long are we going to like, like follow this horrible character and her horrible pursuits. And we fall, continue to follow yeah, her through is, the whole book, all yeah. of her little machinations. So she's yeah. essentially the villain of this book, Yeah, if you think about it that way. Because she, she keeps on coming up with new schemes. Um, so the, But she's not defeated. That's what's <laughs> Yeah, no, she can't be. Although she could be, she could have a comeuppance. That would be a, the villain being defeated. So this is, because this is actually some of my questions. This is book 15. Is is this typical? Is Jessica typically the, the antagonist? Is she typically like the villain? Hmm. Or is she just like, kind that, of like a, a like a like a bitchy girl? But you know, they're they're both nice twins. No, I wouldn't say they're both nice twins. Uh, <laughs> that's a hard question for me to answer. I know we've got a lot of Jessicas out there that are uh, wanting me to say well, that. Listen, Jessicas, if I can talk to you uh, directly, um, you know, no one, no one, no one's mad at you. We just, you know, there's just, you kind of got to step outside of yourself every once in a while and realize that the world is a big, it's a big, beautiful place. This pale blue dot in the sky. And, uh, yeah, you know, you're, you're, you're better than that. That's what I have to say to Jessica. That's beautiful, Callie. Jessica, take that to heart. Uh, so I, a lot of the plots do revolve around Jessica learning a lesson Okay. So that she's not the villain because she kind of, cha- it's like she changes, but then uh. she goes back to what she was before by right. the start of the next book. I was starting to say she overhears Betsy on the phone uh. and she has this little interaction with Betsy where she realizes uh, Betsy has like a secret crush that she's not going to reveal. Right. And so to Jessica, that's proof positive that it is Steven. Right. Betsy 
notices that Stephen is paying so much attention to her and she has this rock and it's someone who is going through the same tragedy that she's going through. Mm -hmm. And so she definitely has these like tender feelings for him. Well, shit hits the fan when they show up together at the beach disco. Yeah. She walks in arm in arm with him. Uh, Everybody's gathered because was it, this was after the pizza eating. I think the pizza eating is the next thing. Pizza eating is the next thing. Okay, so see, so let me consult my notes here. Because <laughs> there's there's Egbert. What's his first name? Winston. Winston yes, Egbert. Win, Win Egbert. Who's maybe we should take a break from the tragedy for a second. Talk, and about, talk a little we bit should, about Winston. Someone Egbert. should talk about Win and the fact that the entire city is his enabler for his eating disorder. Yeah, I don't know what's up with this guy. He um, well, he's the starch king. <laughs> So Winston, First of all, who told him that was a cool name? I kept reading this and going, did he want to be called this? This doesn't sound Starch yeah, King. Yeah, I think he named himself the Starch King. So we first in- encounter this B story, this uh-huh. very light B story, Yeah, when Winston is eating mini pizzas that everybody thinks are gross in right. the cafeteria. And he's uh, there's like a bet going on for how many he can eat. And he eats like six or something. Yeah. Um, Todd wins... The bet with Bruce Patman. Bruce Patman has to pay, I guess, for Todd and Liz to have entry into the beach disco. The beach I don't disco, know how much yes. money that costs, but well, Bruce Patman's loaded, so whatever it was, he could afford it. Didn't it. Matter. Yeah, it's a good thing that Todd won that bet. Yeah. Uh, so then, a few scenes later, like basically, Winston decides that he wants to be a new, like, competitive eating champion, and he is just Break constantly the world record. Yeah, and we're constantly returning to the fact that he's, like, been eating a lot of sandwiches, and he's practicing, like... Which is interesting to me, too, because he went from, like, he's like, I ate six mini pizzas. You know what the next logical step is? The world record for pizza eating. And I think he tries to eat six full-size pizzas. Seven, yes, seven extra-large pizzas in one sitting. So he's eating pizza from a place called Guido's. Yeah, which is racist? I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's a real name that people have, but maybe it, is, it was a poor choice. I grew up in New Jersey, so if you if you want to say something disparaging to an Italian person, you call them Guido. Well, I uh, I thought of you and your New Jersey background <laughs> when I read a certain passage of this book describing the famous pizza at Guido's. Let me pull it up here. Yeah, this first of all, they're in California. There's no way the pizza's that good. Well, yeah. So we're here in California, where um, famously it can be difficult to find a pizza. That is good. Yeah. Especially um, Italian, or especially like New York style pizza, yeah. I would say. If you want to go like gourmet, like yeah. pizza, or the kind of pizza that one might have in Italy, like you can go to like special pizza places. Neapolitan, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. But if you want just like a good slice. Yeah, it's, uh, it's I a have, challenge. I have actually, I mean, I found some places since I've, I've been here, but there's not a wealth of them. So, uh... So I'm skeptical. Here's a passage where Elizabeth describes the pizza from Guido's. Most visitors, especially those from big cities, were skeptical when she told them that the little town of Sweet Valley boasted the best pizza that side of the Rockies. But one bite of a Guido's Deluxe, and they were converts. Some people claimed it was the brick oven that baked up such a perfect crust. Others said it was the secret tomato sauce recipe. Whatever the magic ingredient, no one could resist a Guido's pizza. Least of all Winston Egbert, who was now on his fifth pie. Bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> no, it is a little there's bit no bullshit. Way, there's no way that people from all over wanted this. Be- they're like, this is like Beverly Hills, basically, right? They're in I California. I think they're in, like, I think they're in Orange County. Orange County, oh, okay. Yeah, bullshit. I lived in Orange County. The pizza's not good. It's not good pizza. <laughs> so, 
I think th- that was a like a one paragraph in an entire chapter that when I was reading it, I was like, "What the fuck is happening right it's, now?" It's really weird because the 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 book itself is so plot focused. There's like you know you read a lot, a lot of novels. There are like kind of these flights into people's hopes and dreams and all these detail about this, the the one passage in the book. That kind of does that, that takes this one thing and explores it for a second, is people talking about this pizza. It's yeah. really weird. And suddenly and it's in like the third act. It's like Yeah, suddenly it's chapter eleven of fourteen, and this yeah. entire chapter is about Guido's pizza. And it ex- explains in detail, like this is where Enid was sitting, and Enid ordered a pizza with peppers, onions, and tomatoes. Yeah. And that was more toppings than Winston was gonna get on his pizza. And then like, oh, here comes Annie Whitman and her boyfriend Ricky Capaldo. Like, oh, come on over here, sit with us guys. And it's just like pages Destroys of Destroys all the momentum, yeah. all the dramatic momentum of the thing. And so I'm thinking like, oh, is something dramatic going to happen at the pizza place? No. No. Winston well, throws up. Winston loses. He loses. Yeah. Yeah. Which, who cares? Like, even the characters are just like, well, he did a good job. Yeah, yeah. He tried. It's yeah. really, I don't even know why that's in there. I mean, there's the, there's the other like C storyline uh-huh. that... We later find out as a big teaser for the next book. Yeah. But, like, the Winston storyline doesn't even really pay off in any way. And so, like, as long as we're talking storylines, the C storyline is also a real mindfuck. Yeah, because it's, again, death. And just... uh, Yeah. Death. So we just find out casually that... um, like so, Olivia Davidson is like yes. walking around. She's the school newspaper editor. Or something yeah, like that, yeah, right? and so she's looking for her boyfriend, and her boyfriend. It's like he lets out a cry of anguish in the cafeteria, and it's like, what happened? And apparently, his mom has had a heart attack. Yeah, suddenly. Roger Barrett, famously a very poor working class guy who has no father. The heart attack was so weird. I guess that she has to get flown to Florida. For the surgery? That's why she was in Florida. Okay. And then there's a scene at the at the beach disco. There's this moment where um Jessica doesn't want to dance with Winston, so she's like talking to Kara, like, oh guard me from Winston. And Kara says, So because I'm your very best friend, I'll guard you from Wind's two left feet. And what's more, I'll also tell you the very latest on Roger Barrett's mother. Oh, yeah? What's happening with her? Jessica asked curiously. She's in a coma, Kara announced the news as if it were her own private discovery. That was the one time I laughed out loud while reading the book. (laughs) It's like this, I had to read, I highlighted it and I felt like it was worth reading because it captures the tone with which these characters deal with these things. Yeah. Kara and Jessica specifically. Um, Listeners, if you didn't listen to the extra drama episode uh, for the Misha Stanton book, uh, book number 13, Kidnapped, we read this ridiculous passage. Oh, yeah. uh, Elizabeth got kidnapped a few books ago. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you gotta listen to my podcast, Callie. It's really, it's really a whirlwind. Well, now that I'm on it, I'm gonna, I didn't want to, I didn't want to prime myself. (laughs) So. Shouldn't she be in like PTSD therapy through this whole book if she just got kidnapped? Through the whole series, I mean, really. Uh, you remember how she was in a motorcycle accident several books ago? Yeah. That was, was... also Elizabeth. So, uh, and nothing happens to Jessica, right? <laughs> Elizabeth, is that the whole thing? She'll... She's the good one, so all the horrible things so. happen to her. That's weird. 
Hmm, that's an interesting message that we're presenting. One of many interesting messages, and one of those is callous attitude towards uh, other people dying. Yeah. Um, but back in that the bonus episode for Kidnapped, Jessica and Kara have this really weird conversation about how Kara can date Stephen after Trisha dies. And it's in this really casual tone. Uh, that is upsetting. And here we're back to that same, like, she's in a coma. Can you believe it? Oh, my God. Somebody's mom is going to die. And um, we'll get back to it. But, uh, oh, something important happens at the beach disco. A new character is introduced. Do you remember? Now I'm trying to think. A new character at the beach disco. So Stephen and Betsy show up together. Oh, that's right. Stephen's friend. Stephen's friend Jason comes too. Jason, that's right. Yeah. And um, at this point, something that I think is super interesting about Betsy comes to light, which is she knows that her reputation is bad and it's such a chip on her shoulder that she assumes that any man who talks to her like wants to have sex with her. Yeah. And not in like a haughty way or like a sh- she thinks so much of herself way, but in a, I, every conversation I have with a man must fundamentally be transactional it's a burden. Yeah. Therefore, I can't trust any offer of kindness from a man. And I think that's key to the whole thing between her and Stephen, because she knows she can trust Stephen because Stephen is supporting her because of Trisha. Like, there's a clear through line. Well, she doesn't know that. I feel like that's a big part of it, is that she doesn't know that Stephen made this promise to Trisha. That's, that's true. That is important. I guess what I mean, though, is that Trisha and Stephen, like, Trisha trusted Stephen. Right. So... Therefore, Betsy can trust, feels like she can trust Yeah, Stephen. I think that's, yeah. I think but that's. this Jason guy teaches an art class, right. and he, there's clearly, he's clearly, like, kind of likes Betsy, but wants to help her. Yeah. You know, and he doesn't know any of the rumors about her. He's a friend of Stephen's from college. Right. And he doesn't really care. He's, like, a, he's like a guy. Yeah. And just, like. He's kind of a nerdy guy. Vibe. Yeah, he's like skinny. A... He's got glasses, but he's. But everyone, cute. all the Wakefields say he's the sweetest, as a sweet person can be. And, uh. Could have absolutely nothing but good intentions. So this idea uh, is elucidated by Stephen a little bit later when Betsy agrees to go to Jason's art class, and and Stephen is explaining to one of his sisters where Betsy is, and like somehow Jason was really kind to her, even though she was kind of a bitch to him. <laughs> and Stephen uh, Elizabeth's like, "Why Jason's such a nice guy?" Stephen says, "The nicest." But to Betsy, no guy is nice. She's had such bad experiences with men from her father on down that she doesn't trust any of them. It's like, aw, Betsy. Yeah. I thought that was weird, though. Not that, that's, not, I shouldn't say that. What was weird to me was the idea, I, I felt like the author was saying, almost, uh, Keep your purity. Don't sleep around because then it'll ruin any chance you have of actually meeting someone nice. Yeah. And even if you do meet someone nice, you won't be able to tell. Yeah. I think Which, that is I don't kind know of if that's something... a good thing oh, to tell people. No. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't yeah. think so. So Yeah. It's like, definitely I, a problem. It's a I also think there's I do think there's some truth in it. Um, I, I don't, I would not shock me to learn that there are people that feel that way, but it was like, 
don't know. I guess so much of it is when you're reading a book for, for middle school. It's like it's very hard not to think about messaging. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of reputation talk in these books, and it's yeah. like never great. It's always because yeah. it, it's also not really about the truth either. Right. So it's like. Who cares what you actually do as long as people don't think that you sleep around? Right. Because, well, we'll save because for the, the <laughs> well, you know what? I'm going to do something I've never done before. We're going to take a mid, a mid-episode detour into the part of the podcast where we talk about boys. Oh. Who's a beautiful boys, a beautiful boys. I'm in danger of losing my head. Because I got to say... <laughs> That Jessica, for all of her talk about trashy Betsy Martin, has a scene in this book where she walks into the beach disco with a guy on either arm. Yes. She's got Neil Fremont, who's a new boy in town, on one arm, and Aaron Dallas on the other arm. And then she's like, either of you boys want to dance, you know? But she, like, (laughs) walks in together. And it's like, bitch, just a minute ago, you were talking about how Betsy Martin was a slut for being with two boys at once. Yeah. And I mean, sure, she's not doing anything with these boys. Jessica's not. But, like, you don't know what Betsy was doing either. Maybe <laughs> she was true. looking from side to side. Like, so, who wants, you know, who wants well, to, to do this? <laughs> that's true. That's a good point. Although I will say, I, I don't know if I can find this, but there's a line early on where Betsy is, is, is lamenting her own reputation. And she says something like, everybody just thinks that I smoked everything and did everything. And, and then she says, and it's all true. <laughs> Yes. Okay. It's true. Well, as long as we're talking about boys, I have a couple more thoughts about boys. I I always have thoughts about boys. Great. That's on that's on camera. That's on tape now. (laughs) Here's a little moment about Roger Barrett. Jessica studied Roger out of the corner of her eye. He wasn't bad looking, despite the worn, patched pants and faded shirt. His shaggy brown hair framed a strong face and his athlete's build was apparent even under his loose clothes. Too bad, Jessica thought, that he didn't have a penny to his name. Otherwise, he might well be high on her list of desirable boys. Yeah. He's not ugly despite poverty. (laughs) Too bad. Too bad, she thinks. Um, Jessica's the worst. She's kind of That should be the title of this series. Jessica is the worst. I have some follow-up also on a guy named Nicholas Morrow, uh, who was the topic of the last book. Okay. Uh, in this book, Todd and Elizabeth go to someplace called the Box Tree Cafe for lunch with Nicholas and Regina Morrow. Callie, oh, I'm right. sorry that doesn't mean anything to you, except that you read that sentence in this book. But listeners, think about that lunch. <laughs> I'll, I'll that explain weird, it to you later. That is a weird thing, though, because you'll be reading it, and then they'll just throw like four or five full government names at you in a sentence. <laughs> and yeah. for someone who's not, doesn't read anything, I'm like, who, what? Some of the names who in this book people? were unfamiliar to me, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, a, like a diagram. Of Nicholas and Regina Morrow are brother and sister. So it's sort of like a double date uh, between wait, Todd what? and Elizabeth and Nicholas and Regina. But also Elizabeth and Nicholas went on like a secret date in the last book. And Todd oh. was really pissed about it. Uh, understandably. But they didn't even mention that in this book. That's why, oh, like, they mentioned that Jessica had a crush on Nicholas, but not that Nicholas and Elizabeth went on this date. And it was the whole topic of the last book. Yeah, that seems like it should be like a book of I think this ghostwriter didn't read the last book, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) That would make sense. I don't think there's a ghostwriter credited in this book, Mm -hmm. is there? I just think about the movie Young Adult with Charlie Stone, where she's a ghostwriter for a very similar kind of teen book line. Yeah. 
I just I remember reading this and just going like, how much of this is just someone just like I don't give a shit, just like we're three pages short to talk about pizza. Let's just talk about pizza. <laughs> that for... chapter definitely felt like we're three yeah. pages short or yeah, yeah, we're yeah. 10 pages short. We need to have a pizza contest chapter. Yeah. Like explain where they were sitting a little exactly. bit more. Like a lot of this, because also it's like the whole, most of the book is on the back cover. Like there's not like a <laughs> yeah. ton more that happens. It's a, it's a thin, it's a thin plot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, do you have any boys thoughts? What I thought was weird is that we didn't hear more about Neil Fremont actually. Because it seems like Jessica goes and plays tennis with him. Yeah. She's one of the people that goes in the beach disco. And, you know, Elizabeth's in this committed relationship with Todd, who's... I couldn't get a gauge on Todd, because he seems fine. He doesn't do anything wrong. He keeps consulting Jessica, which Elizabeth doesn't say anything about. And it's like, Elizabeth, you should probably get to the bottom of that. I don't know what's going on. But with the book does reference that Elizabeth doesn't like it when he does that. Right, but she doesn't stand up for herself or say anything. Which in this is, book, she does it. Oh, all right. Well, I'm glad to know that she sticks up for herself a little bit later. Although, also, he's probably right. Because <laughs> right? Jessica, as we've mentioned, she's the fucking worst. That's she's the problem. The worst. That's why Elizabeth couldn't even be bothered to <laughs> defend Jessica in this book. Because yeah. that's how shitty Jessica's being. Um, but I just felt like it was like, I felt like we were getting, within the book, the the beginning of a romance with Neil Fremont, but no one yeah. gives a shit. Neil it's, Fremont keeps coming up, but we nothing, we don't talk about him. And we don't even get a description of him. Yeah, What does exactly. he look like? Yeah, and I, there was this one point where like they're having this, they're all at the table having this big discussion about Betsy, and then she's just like, "I just gotta go play something with Neil Fremont, peace," and she's just yeah. like, "Out." And you're like, "This is a pivotal thing in a story." I don't know. Yeah. So I want as for boys, I wanted to know more about Neil Fremont. I I agree with you. Is he That's dreamy? a good point. What are his eyes like? Yeah. How are much like, poverty did he have? Because yeah. Jessica has a poverty ceiling. Are they like the ocean, or are they like the sky right. at dawn? That would be weird. Exactly. They like Lisa Frank marbles. Like, is it like what exactly? What kind of '90s nostalgia? Yeah. Is his hair like spun gold, or is it like <laughs> yeah, a polished so. chestnut? You know. A beautiful boy is a beautiful boy. Speaking of the breakfast table, yeah, Betsy goes to this art class and she freaks out because uh, what's his name? Jason. Jason has asked her on a date of some sort yeah. at, at the end of the class, and she was just like, "I knew it." He never thought I was good. He never thought I was good at, at art. Right, and. She, like, stormed out, and she, uh, then the next day at this breakfast table, Jason shows up, and she has, like, left her sketchbook behind, which... Yes. That seems really weird. Yeah. It's like her prized possession. The like, thing that she won't show anybody because she feels it's too private. Right. She's just leaving it around. Yeah. Um. So he comes back, and he's like, I gotta tell you about this exciting thing. It's, um, like, have you ever thought about going to art school? And uh, there's the L.A. Academy of Fine Arts. Yes. Is having a contest of some sort one for a mission. One of the best art schools in the country, if not the best, we're yeah. told. Yeah. Uh, there's and a... it's one of those things where they just have a contest, and the winner gets a full ride. This is where I'm like, did Betsy graduate from high school? Like, do you have to have a I don't diploma think so. It seems, it seems in this universe, uh, higher education is a sweepstakes. Yeah, it's a so, contest. Yeah, it doesn't. you don't need to have education before. Yeah. You don't need a transcript. You, someone can just fill out an application for you and send some pieces in, and then you can win the you can win the contest. There was a very real moment of this book when Betsy's reaction to uh, being told about the LA Academy is, "Oh, but I could never be good enough for LA." <laughs> and I 
I was just like, oh man, I feel you, girlfriend. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, but that one, that one stings. Yeah. So Betsy, uh, Betsy's reaction is like, oh, this is great. Until Jason's like, okay, well, we can just work on your portfolio together. And she's like, oh, I see what this is. <laughs> you, you just think you can get something from me by yeah. helping me, like. And she's like, screw you, screw everybody, and she goes to the den or whatever to yeah. hide. And Jason, not deterred, everybody's like, this is so weird. What do we do about this girl? Uh, so Elizabeth uh, comes up with a plan that they can secretly apply her to. Right. But I think an important school. thing that happens in this... Hold on. Actually, do you know what page you were just on? About, oh, I could never be good enough for LA? It's on page 92. Because, yeah, she, she, she flips out on Jason, says, I knew all you wanted from me this one thing, and she storms off. And then everybody's making excuses for her. Stephen's like... <laughs> You know, oh, she has a hard time learning to trust people, especially men. And Jason's like, I understand. But Steve, she seems so open with you. When she was dancing with you Friday night, she was so happy and lovely that, well, to tell you the truth, I just couldn't keep my eyes off of her. So Betsy was kind of right. Yeah, Jason definitely wants to get in Betsy's pants. Yeah. Or... He's trying to hit that. But so the, this is this goes back to Betsy's problem, which is like a step beyond that. You know, we could talk about how like is it weird that he moves so quickly as her t- from her teacher to like trying to ask her on a date. Like maybe that is weird, but yeah. they have this. They do have something in common, and yes. they're both young people yes. in a small town. Yes. So, but it goes back to Betsy's thing, which is that like basically, if a compliment is paid to her, and then he they find out that the guy wants to go on a date with her, that means the compliment didn't count. Like, right. it was just... He was just buttering her up. Right. And that becomes really important. Right. Because um, shortly after this, Jessica gets, like, re-energized to get rid of Betsy ASAP. Right. Because Bruce Patman... Um, well, we find out that Bruce Patman's father is paying for Roger, Roger Barrett's, Barrett's mom to have her to be flown around and have her surgery and everybody's like why on earth would he do that we know he's a famous asshole and they and lila and uh jessica Kara and jessica yeah go and ask him directly and he he reveals that uh roger barrett's mother used to work for the patmans in their yeah. factory yeah and then he kind of like deflects by giving jessica shit about how it's not like my father's gonna be inviting uh roger and his mother to live with us anytime soon ha 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 which elizabeth jessica. just oh sorry yeah, yeah which jessica just goes nuclear about yeah she it's like can't deal it's like jessica why do you care what this guy thinks well because she was saying she was like she kept telling elizabeth she was like you don't understand People are going to make fun of us if Betsy's living with And then someone made fun of her. Yeah, it finally happened, and it was just like... So now it's war. Yeah, so she... Shortly thereafter, um, who should show up? But this is at the the night that the, like, Guido's thing is airing on local television. Yeah. Jim Martin shows up at the Wakefield's house. The dad. And nothing really happens. Nothing! Nothing! (laughs) Nothing! The whole lead-up, this whole fucking book, I felt was leading up to the dad coming back. He runs off in a bender. Trisha talks about it. She moves in with the family because the dad is not around. There's And there's a, you get to the point where someone rings the doorbell and she goes off and you know that it's the dad. You know that it's the dad. And the chapter ends on that cliffhanger of the dad at the front door. And then the next chapter starts and it's the next day. And you never hear the dad say a word. Listeners, we do not get so much as a conversation between Betsy and Martin. It was, what the fuck is right? It was crazy. What the fuck? You had a whole chapter about pizza. Yeah. 
Now we're both shouting into the microphone. Sorry. <laughs> this I is bet. how angry you are. See, this is what happens. Yeah. You know? I was mad. I felt cheated. It was really dumb, but... Because of this, Stephen, who has finally gone back to college after all of this, like, a day later comes back home again because he's worried about what's going to happen. Stephen, you must know, um, is really in his head about this promise he made to Trisha. He's taking it very seriously, but he hasn't told anybody in the family about it. Which makes very little sense. Yeah, like, why not just tell them? Like, yeah, it would have solved everything much it's a early. reasonable promise, too. Like, look after Betsy for me. Okay. Yeah. The only thing that I could get of him not telling it is if he didn't trust Elizabeth or Jessica to keep it quiet. Which he shouldn't, because Jessica overhears Stephen telling Ned about the promise, like, confessing to him that he made this promise to Trisha, that he was going to look after Betsy no matter what. And Jessica's like, aha, now I've got her. Right. But Elizabeth straight up asks him earlier... Why are you doing this? Why are you spending all this time with Betsy? And Stephen balks at just telling her. I would think Elizabeth would be the one who would be trustworthy. But I never understood why he didn't just tell her. We get a glimpse of his inner monologue and he's like, he thought about telling her, but he didn't. Right. So, um, we've been really hard on Jessica in this book. And, um... Listeners may be feeling like we're going overboard. So I wanted to just, um... Well, I wanted to... Read a bit of the scene where Jessica um, tricks Betsy into um, leaving. It's very, very Machiavellian. Yeah. So Jessica knows that Betsy's in love with Stephen. Jessica knows that Betsy doesn't know that Stephen has promised Trisha to look after her. And that that is a big part of why Stephen has been spending so much time with Betsy. Because I don't know that we've actually said... You get the impression that Betsy does think that Stephen is returning her feelings. Yeah, yeah. We know that Stephen isn't really... Nothing's happened between them, but I mean, they've spent a lot of time together. They've danced together. And I would think for somebody like Betsy, that this would probably feel more like a real romance than anything she's ever experienced in her life. It would make a lot of sense for her to feel that way. She's hanging out with these awful guys at Kelly's Bar. Crunch. They don't even have real names. (laughs) Okay. So Jessica walks in on Betsy drawing, and uh, Betsy is startled. I guess you were pretty caught up in your drawing. I was too, actually. It's almost like magic, the way you can bring things to life with a few charcoal lines, Jessica flattered. Oh, it's not so amazing, Betsy said modestly. It's just a matter of practice. I've been doing it practically forever. All I know is that I could never draw like that. Betsy blushed shyly. Sure you could, she insisted. You're good at everything you do. Tennis, cheerleading. Why, you're one of the most popular girls at Sweet Valley High. I bet you could do almost anything you set your mind to. This bitch. You're darn right I can, Jessica thought. And what I want to do most is to clear some trash out of this study and out of my life. She's the worst. Clear some trash! I'm not done, though. But she forced a smile. That's sweet of you to say, she gushed. But I haven't really done anything that impressive, not like you. I mean, look at how you've gotten yourself together after what you've been through. You've really straightened yourself out. Well, I can't tell you how much your family has helped, Betsy said gratefully. A faraway look came over her face. Especially Stephen. Excellent, thought Jessica. Like Mr. Burns, she's arching her fingers. Excellent. She's fucking... (sighs) She's playing right into my hands. I could go on because the scene, She's the like scene goes Dr. on from Doom. there. But basically, she gets to a point where she's like, yeah, and Stephen promised Trisha that he'd look after you. So now that you're good and Stephen's home, like, 
isn't that, don't you feel great? Yeah. And Betsy freaks out. She's like, she had no idea that that was the reason that Stephen was spending so much time with her. And knowing what we know about Betsy, right. now she's like, nobody that has given me a compliment in this entire book about anything, or this book, this <laughs> entire time I've been staying with you about anything <laughs> is serious. Yeah. Like, everybody was lying. Nobody thinks I have good skills. Everybody was just doing it because Trisha, Trisha, Trisha. Jessica pretends to be, uh, to be sorry. Like, oh my God, I let it slip. Oh, Betsy, please forgive me. Suddenly, Betsy whipped around to face Jessica, an impenetrable coldness in her eye. Forgive you? Maybe I should thank you instead for setting me straight. Her voice shook with hurt and rage. All that attention, all that interest, it's not even for real. Betsy sprang out of her seat and began pacing the room. Stephen doesn't care about me. He's just being nice to me because of Trisha. I should have known. Why would anyone be nice to me for any other reason? No one ever has been. And then she storms out and she like packs her suitcase and leaves. Yeah. And Liz comes home and Jessica's like, um, so about Betsy, you won't believe it. She just left. Uh, Elizabeth's like, why? And Jessica's like, hmm. <laughs> and then she's horrible. Yeah. So that's that's what Jessica's like in this book. But then Stephen and Jason come back from somewhere. Kelly, well, they come to the house. Bar. They come back to the house and they're like, we've got great news. And then there's this like mad dash to find. Right. Her right. Yes. Yes. Because yes. she stormed off clearly with the intent to relapse. Yes. You into know? into not just alcohol necessarily, but all of her old ways and pills. We should also mention a lot of talk of popping pills in this in mm-hmm. this book. She um, likes pills and she likes pot. Pills and pot. Yes. And booze. Yes, and booze. So they drive to Kelly's. She's not at Kelly's. They drive yeah. to the Shady Lady. Yeah. The excellently named uh, <laughs> other bar. I think I've know. been to the Shady Lady once. <laughs> well, was there a short-haired young woman, a matronly outfit in between two <laughs> like really drunk, shitty-looking like redneck dudes? That was a different Shady Lady, actually. I think that was uh, a different. That was a different. One. Okay, she like like tongue kisses both of them like in yeah, succession. Yeah, she does. So that happens. Um, but she's, we know, we get Crunch a and another person with not a real name. Charlie Carson or something? Charlie Cashman. Yeah. Charlie Cashman. Yeah. These people, they don't have, you can tell they're poor because of their names. Crunch McAllister is a pretty poor name. And his yeah. real name is Jerry McAllister, which isn't that much better. That's true. Uh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, everybody <laughs> who's named Jerry. Sorry, Jerry McAllister. I mean, the McAllisters in Home Alone were very wealthy. That's true. That's true. They were. They lived well in Wilmette. That's uh, you got to have a lot of money to live there. That's a good point. Yeah. They were so well off that they could just leave children around, and not have to worry about it. They yeah, like, we can get another one. We'll buy. Yeah, and one. they could afford to have all those children, yeah, and then true. buy all those plane tickets to France. Yeah. Although, didn't somebody's brother-in-law pay for that trip? But clearly, they had a mansion. They yeah. had a lot of money. Those McAllisters. They were fine. Okay, so never mind. Take it all back. But crunch. That's bad. Yeah, crunch is pretty bad. So. Uh, how about this scene? You want to tell us a little bit about yeah, what happens so they, in the climax uh, of the book? Jason and Stephen uh, approach um, Betsy while she's being flanked by uh, Crunch and Cashman and tell her that she's making a big mistake and she needs to come with them and she's not the person that she feels she is. And she's like, you guys don't know anything about me. And she takes a big drink, a swig of alcohol to prove that she doesn't care about herself or anything But Mm -hmm. really, we find out that this is the first alcohol she's had all night. And really, it's just hurt and anger inside of her. And she hasn't really gone back to all of her old ways, really. She's just so sad. Exactly. And then Crunch tells Stephen and Jason that she doesn't want to be with them. Yeah. She she wants to stay with him and that they need to leave. Mm -hmm. And they're like, we're not leaving without her. 
And Crunch is like, well, then we're going to have a problem. Yeah. And then Jason turns into a ninja and whoops the ass of Crunch. Yeah, there's a big... For no fucking reason. <laughs> it there's might be Cashman, no... though. It might be Cashman. Is it Cashman? I, yeah. think it ki- I, think he, I think he might murder both of them. <laughs> I think he just uses some Jackie Chan shit and just not... Just fucking... They're both over. So he ends both of like, them. Like, first, Steven, there's a big four-guy fight. And... and um And... Betsy is like, don't, no, don't, stop. Like, she's trying to get... These guys that she's with, in fairness to them, like, they're trying to defend her. Like, two dudes come in and they're like, come with me. Like, just because they look like losers doesn't necessarily mean you should just let her go with them. Exactly. Um, So, but then when, when Cashman gets up to, like punched Steven. Betsy's like, no, don't. And then Jason gets up and they're like, he's so skinny that like he's no threat to anybody. Right. And Betsy's like, oh God, why is he getting himself involved in this? He's just gonna get killed. But he like dodges a punch. Yeah, it was, oh wait, here it is, here it is, here it is. Charlie curled his upper lip at Jason. Well, don't say I didn't warn you. He went for Jason's nose, but just before the punch connected, Jason deftly swerved his head out of the way. Charlie pitched forward from the momentum of his empty punch, and Jason swiftly hooked his left leg around Charlie's ankles. Jason hasn't done shit for the whole book. Where the fuck this is coming from? Charlie tripped and landed face down. He got up quickly and rushed at Jason, his teeth bared. As he lashed out again, Jason grabbed Charlie's outstretched arm and flipped the large boy right over his shoulder. Like, what the, what the fuck? Yeah, pretty this exciting. Is, I was... <laughs> whoa! But we found out why he did that. He has a brown belt in karate. Oh, well, obviously. About to take his black belt test. Yeah, yeah. Because if they just said that he was a black belt, this would have been unbelievable. Did we say that uh, Betsy got into art school? Betsy got into art school. Yeah, so that's like the good news they have. Yeah. And then there's like a party uh, for her that wraps everything up. Boy, hold on. I want to go back to Jason for one second. Okay. I also, talking about messaging with these books, I found it weird that the guy, the nerdy guy that took an interest in Betsy that liked art, they shared interests, that seemed to have something in for her, that Betsy could not connect to because she had this, you know, this wall up Mm. against her. Betsy finally is able to open herself to the fact that maybe he actually is a good guy at the end of it. After he beats up two dudes. After he beats up two dudes. Yeah. I know what you mean. I feel like the book tries to make a little bit of a case that it's not the um, heroics of, like, the fighting that Betsy likes, but the Mm. proof that he really must have meant what he said when he complimented her, because clearly he does care about her. And she got into the school. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and that's a big thing, too, that he went ahead and did all that without any promises from her of anything. Yeah. So, um, and she points out that, like, she asked the other guys not to get involved in this fight. Like, yeah. so Steven and Jason didn't really start the fight. Right. But, yeah, I agree with you. It's yeah. not great that that's... I thought that was a little... That was a little weird. Yeah, it was a little, like, a toxic masculinity kind of yeah. thing, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, well, these dudes gotta get in a fight. Yeah. And, and, now, and now he's a real man, and now he's a fittable suitor, now that he's punched some other guys out. Yeah, yeah. Um. Well, I mean, that's... That, Pretty much brings us to the end of the book. Uh, there's a party to celebrate Betsy. Yeah. And then Jessica doesn't have um, any sympathy at all for anything. She, uh, lots of people, like Betsy apologizes to Stephen for be, and for to Jason for being so moody. And Jessica's just like, oh, this mushy bullshit, I hate it. But nobody, <laughs> but doesn't apologize to anybody. Yeah. And nobody 
uh, finds out what a shitty thing she did. She doesn't get in trouble. Yeah, and actually, because they do, they have the two lines, like, on 146 that are just, like, explain away all of Jessica's things, all the horrible things that Jessica did. And it's almost like the way that they, if they had not addressed it, I almost feel like it would have been less egregious. Yeah, do you, you know, know which line's there? It's like, uh, Jessica, Stephen had threatened to ship, ship Jessica off to the middle of the Mojave Desert with no food or water. Jessica had retaliated by claiming that Stephen had left her out of the plan to send Betsy's drawings to the LA Academy and had, left, and had let Elizabeth in on it because she loved Elizabeth more. But now brother and sister laugh spiritedly as they toss a frisbee back and forth. So somehow that was equivalent. <laughs> now brother and sister laugh spiritedly. Yeah. So somehow the fact that Stephen didn't tell her about their plan to try and get Betsy into the Academy was equal <laughs> to oh, all yeah. the horrible shit Jessica did. And then, no, nah, it's, it's, we're even now. Yep. Yes. fucking, this family sucks. Agreed. It's not um, just Jessica, it's just, it's the family. Oh, well, I don't know if I agree with that. Well, they're enabling her to, to a oh, large extent. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, I agree. Um, so, last page of the book. Oh, yeah. Uh, just when things are getting good and everybody's having fun and it's all great, uh, Elizabeth comes out. With a day's, day's expression on her face. You want to read this with me? Uh, yeah, I can do that. You, who do you want to be, Jessica or Elizabeth? I will be... I want to be Jessica. Okay. Can I use, a, like, a demon voice? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can actually... I'll try. Liz, what's wrong? <laughs> <laughs> That's how I heard Jessica, but I heard this book. That's what she sounded like. All right. Liz, what's wrong? You look like you just saw a ghost. It's even stranger than that, Elizabeth said slowly. Olivia Davison just called. Roger's mother died this morning. Gee, that's too bad. <laughs> Jessica shook her head. But it's not that surprising. That wasn't all Liv told me, Elizabeth continued. Jessica, you're not going to believe this. Try me. Jessica said impatiently. Well, do you know who Paul Patman was? Sure. Bruce Patman's uncle, the one who was killed in a plane crash. He was even more loaded than Bruce's dad. But what's that got to do with Roger Barrett? Jess, it turns out Mr. Barrett wasn't Roger's real father. Even Roger didn't know the truth, but now it's out. His real father was Paul Patman. We don't have to read the whole story. <laughs> You're all ready to your demon boy. Um, in fact, I was mostly interested in the part where it's uh, where Jessica says, "Gee, that's too bad," but it wasn't that surprising. Like, boy's mom She's a just devil. died. She's a devil. Yeah, She's a worked. demon, man. The voice worked. Uh, so that's a welcome to Sweet Valley. Yeah, I feel I, I like it. I'm not gonna lie. I feel like I'm, I'm. I'm not gonna. I don't know how many more of these books I'm gonna read, but I'm at least gonna go and read the Wikipedia because I I have to know. <laughs> What Jessica grows up into. Yeah, like, I mean, buckle up for that. Maybe, like, she grows up and, like, works for Goldman Sachs or something like that. Like, <laughs> like some. Well, we really just have one last order of business show-wise to take care of. Okay. Um, I think this might be really, really hard for you, uh, but can you tell me whether you think you are um, a Jessica or an Elizabeth? Oh, God, I, fuck, man. I hope I'm an Elizabeth. If I find <laughs> out, if there ever comes a day where I find out that I'm a Jessica, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm not a perfect person. Elizabeth almost seems like on the verge of, at least in this book, perfection. Maybe it's just because she's being compared to her sister, who is, uh, she's a piece of shit, at least in this book. Yeah, Elizabeth is just kind of quiet and 
empathetic in this book. Not a lot of Elizabeth. I think in in chapter one or two, I think I would have said I was I was Jessica because Jessica almost seems like a pragmatist, mm-hmm. and Elizabeth is kind of like this almost naive idealist about the way that things are. And there's a degree of it where I was like, Jessica knows the way she knows what's going on in the world. Yeah, but no, she's just she's just terrible. I I, I God, I hope I'm Elizabeth. I really hope I'm Elizabeth. <laughs> I think hoping is at least half the battle, if not more. <laughs> Callie, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thank you. This uh, is great. This thanks is for awesome. reading the book. Um, uh, do you have a project? You have a project that I think that our listeners might be really interested in. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how many of your listeners uh, are into comic books, but I've, I'm actually the co-writer of a comic book called Zara the Shadow Flame, which you can uh, find at AdamComicsCo.com, um, as well as uh, iBooks, Amazon. Comixology, um, Google Playbooks, and it's a comic book about a young girl in uh, in United Arabia, not Saudi Arabia, but the fictional country of United Arabia, who finds out that she's the last in the line of uh, ancient warriors and has to kind of decide what to do with these newfound superpowers. But it actually is kind of a, a little bit of a high school drama element, a little bit of... Um, superhero stuff a little bit of uh some some very light political stuff but it's it's a fun book and i hope people check it out me too i'll put a link to that in the show notes everybody that'd be great thank you um thanks so much to jocelyn schofield for beautiful boys uh thanks to you for listening and please tell your friends about the show i would love some more ratings and reviews on apple podcasts uh aka itunes um send me an email sweetvalleydiaries at me.com um, follow me on Instagram at Sweet Valley Diaries. And I think that's the end of the list of things that I want to say. Oh, Sweet Valley on Twitter. You know, Twitter. <laughs> and Callie, thanks again. Do you want to tease us for the next book? Thank you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, for anyone who's dying to know what's going to happen in the next one, just as a heads up, now Roger is as rich as Bruce. But how much will he have to change to fit into the Patman's world? Find out in Sweet Valley High number 16. Rags to Riches. It's a great title. Just a really brilliant title. I don't know how they came up with that. <laughs> I'm gonna alright, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna relax and I'm gonna settle yeah, into this. This is normal, you know, just relax and let it happen. Yes. Let it wash over you, the <laughs> podcast experience. Uh yeah. I yeah, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. I just, it's, I think it's one of those things that's like whenever you're on camera or anything like that, like you just need to take a second to stop from being so aware that you're being recorded yeah. and then you're fine. Definitely. It'll just take me a second. But I I'll have that every week too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>